Amen, amen, indeed. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. Let's pray together as we dig into God's word. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that you do make us free. And God, as we hunger for your presence and for your voice, God, we pray that you would come near to us, that you would speak to us. That as we take that joy in your presence, God, that it would allow us to experience who you are. Father God, as we dig into your word now this morning, God, we pray that you would speak, that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear from you, that we would be challenged and encouraged, that we would be drawn close. That we would know you a little more deeply, understand you a little more clearly, that we can follow you a little more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, as we begin this morning, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. We're finally out of Genesis, finally, as in it was bad to be there. But that's, isn't that the nature? Every Old Testament class I ever took was like, we're going to do a survey of the whole Old Testament, and the first 99% of the class was Genesis, and then like everything else. We just had to move through the rest of it so quick, because there's so much there. There's some big stories, but there's some important stuff in other parts of the Bible as well, and so we're going to explore some of that together today. Exodus chapter 34. We're going to begin in verse 29 and read a little bit of Moses' story here together, spoiler alert, and uh, we'll uh, see what God has in store for us. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. This is such a cool story, and I'm really, really excited to see what God has in store for us here to share. I already know. He, he gave me words already. Exodus chapter 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had been speaking with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. What does it mean to be in the presence of God? What is that like? What has that been like for you? How have you experienced that? Have you experienced that? How did it change you? Did it mean something? Do you think God wants to meet with you? What would that look like if he did? And what would it mean for the people around you? This morning we're going to be continuing our journey through this idea, this promise that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. He is alive. He is working. He is moving, and he is here with us. His love, his mercy, his grace, his holiness, his justice is eternal. 
and steadfast. He is faithful and true, and he is always here. He is good, and he will always be. And so we've been looking at the stories of the people that walked with him, of Adam and Noah, of Abraham and Jacob and Joseph, stories of God's leading and protection, the way he speaks and works, his promises and his purposes that we are made in his image to reflect him, that he is holy and just, that he is inviting us to follow him but that he is everywhere, working with everyone, not just us, not just me. And that even when I don't understand what is happening in my life, in comfort and in suffering, God is there. It's been amazing to look at the profound ways that God is moving and speaking. All through history and here now today, The stories of these individuals are our stories. As we walk with them, we can see the same things happening in our own lives, the same fears and insecurities and hurts, the same concerns and struggles to believe, to trust, to have faith. God is revealing to us in these stories that he knows us, that he sees us, and he understands what we're going through. Because these are not stories of perfect people living in impossible perfection. These are real people who doubted and failed and sinned. But they trusted and they tried to follow, tried to understand. And in the brief moments that they did, when that clarity breaks through, what they experienced with God was extraordinary. And that same God is alive today, exactly the same. And so this morning we come to the story of Moses, one of the biggest and most important figures in the whole of Scripture. His story takes up almost all of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, four whole books of the Bible, and is the foundation of the whole of the the temple system and the relationship of the Israelites with God. It's a huge story. And there's a thousand things that we could look at within it. The ways that God revealed himself to and through Moses were incredible. The, The plagues of Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the pillars of fire and smoke that they followed, manna and quail and the desert water from a rock, the Ten Commandments and the golden calf, on and on and over and over, stories abound from the things that God walked through with Moses. And each and every one of them could be a sermon series on its own, and maybe someday we'll do that. But as I was looking at this story and praying through what God wanted to reveal to us this morning, I was struck with this thread that flows through all of the events in the life of Moses. That for all of these unbelievable miracles and mind-blowing, life-altering experiences, the profound and fundamental story is of 
a man and a people being invited into relationship with God. Invited into the presence of God. It's a story of relationship, of of connection. Of God just hinting back to what he had with Adam in the garden. What he created humans to be. To be with him. Moses begins not even really knowing God and being frightened and hesitant in his relationship, his friendship with God grows and changes into something so beautiful, so glorious that people couldn't even look at him. And it starts with Moses killing someone and running away to the wilderness. Just last week, Pastor Scott talked about the story of Joseph One of Jacob's sons who was betrayed by his own brothers, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, wrongly imprisoned and then forgotten by the man that he helped only to be raised to the highest place in the land, second only to Pharaoh himself. And he invites his family to come to Egypt to live and to escape the famine and God blesses them extravagantly in their new home. They become wealthy and powerful and prosperous so much so that over the years Pharaoh himself became afraid of them and worried that they would even be able to take his kingdom away from him. And so he enslaves them and he punishes them and he tries to control them. And then he says that every male Hebrew baby must be killed to try to stop what God was building. It's into this place that Moses is born, hidden in a basket in the reeds in the river, discovered by one of Pharaoh's own daughters and raised in the palace. Until he sees one of his own people, a slave, being beaten. Something he must have seen many times, but something about this struck him in that moment. And he kills the Egyptian. And Pharaoh begins to hunt him and he runs away in fear of his life, hiding in the wilderness, herding sheep. And there he would have stayed. He got married He had kids. This was his life now from a palace to a tent, herding flocks in the desert until he met God. Exodus chapter 2. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within the bush. 
Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. The most understated response, I think. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses meets God for the first time and their relationship begins. Moses encounters the presence of God and his life is changed and it's going to change everything. God's relationship with Moses is so fascinating because look at where it begins. Moses hid his face. Because he was afraid even to look at God. And yet he stayed. And he listened. And God invited him into something incredible. To lead his people out of Egypt. To take them to the promised land. And to build a nation that would show the whole world who God is. But Moses was afraid. Even as he stood in the presence of God, he was scared to go and speak to the people, to lead them, to do these things that God was telling him to do. And so he questions God. He tells God he's not sure about this. He hesitates and even asks God, please send someone else. To the point that God even becomes very angry with him. So God gives Moses signs and wonders to show the people to confirm what he was saying, to convince them that God had really spoken to him and really sent them. His staff would change into a serpent and back again. His skin would become diseased and healed. And he gave, God gave Moses his very name to reveal to the people, I am who I am. To convince them that God had really sent them, that Moses had really met him, that God had really spoken. And still he wanted help. And so God sent him with his brother Aaron to speak to the people and to Pharaoh, and their journey begins. Moses brought God's message to the people and showed them the signs, and they believed. And they worshipped. And God brought plagues on Egypt. And he rescued them through the Red Sea and he gave them a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke to lead them. And he brought them to the mountain that God had promised. He provided manna and quail in the desert and gave them the commandments on the tablets of stone. We have the story of the golden calf, water from the stone of the bronze snake, of battles and victories and struggle, challenges to Moses' leadership, on and on and on, endless stories, but all the way through. We see Moses growing in his relationship with God. Their friendship changing, maturing. 
It's such an incredible thing to watch happen, to see this thread weaving through the whole story. Moses and God talking, sharing, arguing. Moses hesitant and fearful to even begin the journey, and then later, turning back God's anger from wiping out his people. Starting from not even being able to look at God, to even asking if he can see God. Exodus chapter 33, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. I want your presence. We need your presence. How else will they know that you are God? Let me see you. What a change from that first moment in the wilderness to now hungering for the presence of God, to see him so that others can see. And God does it. He allows him to see his back or where he just was, depending how you translate it. God's glory is so profound, so powerful, so overwhelming that we can't perceive it as we are. And the impact of being in his presence changes us. So much so that the people couldn't even look at Moses. Chapter 34, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. 
But Moses called to them, and so Aaron and the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them the commands that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face, but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Being in the presence of God had a physical impact on Moses. So much so that the people were even even with Moses after he had been with God. They were overwhelmed. They couldn't handle it. It was too much. God's glory was being reflected so powerfully that the people were overcome. God's glory was being reflected so powerfully that people were overcome. Is that how people would describe you? Me? Us? This story fascinates me. The impact of God's presence in the life of Moses and the people around him. See, the story of Moses' life is obviously unique and special. God's relationship with Moses is one of the most amazing stories in Scripture. The intimacy, the depth, the vulnerability, the real friendship they shared. But at the same time, God hadn't revealed his Holy Spirit at that time as he has now. God's presence was something else, other, outside, separate. It was in special places that Moses had to go to connect with God at special times. But now God's presence lives in us. His spirit, the power that created the universe and raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. When we submit to him and invite him to transform us, his presence is here. And I can't help but wonder if it's making as big an impact in my life as it could. What does that mean? For the very presence of God to be living in me. I think we all know that person. Someone in our life that every single time you run into them, we just know that we have experienced the presence of God. There's something about them, the way they speak, the things they care about, the way they connect with you, that you just feel God was here. This was someone who has been in the presence of God. I have a friend I've known for many years now, and we don't run into each other often. Our lives just don't overlap. But every single time I see him, I leave challenged and encouraged by his passion and his faith. His heart for the lost, his desire to serve and sacrifice, 
He's a contractor and his whole life is just Jesus. It's incredible. I was talking this week with someone about their weekly Bible study group and just for one week there was this friend of a friend in town and he joined them for their time together one morning. And this person just shared how deeply this stranger impacted him in that one conversation. This person just radiated Jesus. And in that one conversation, it was amazing how deeply they were impacted by the faith and the story of this stranger. Is that how people feel about you? About us? You know what? Probably sometimes. At least we sure hope so that God is really making a difference in us and through us that people really do experience God's love and grace and hope and joy when they're with us. That who he is really shines through us. But we can so easily focus on all the ways that we fall short, that we fail. The ways that we are so very obviously not reflecting who God is. But Moses' story was a mess too. Moses was at least a killer, if not a murderer. He hesitated when God asked him to speak to Pharaoh. He disobeyed God and took glory for himself and was even barred from ever entering the promised land for his sin and selfishness. He argued with God, and God got very angry with him, and yet, God invited him into his presence in a way almost no other human being had ever experienced. And the people around him were profoundly impacted by the presence of God in his life. Our relationship with God is messy. God knows that we are broken far better than we do. But he is inviting you into his presence to experience his presence and then to radiate his presence because his presence lives in us. And when we're with others, that should make a difference. For Moses, God's presence was always an external thing outside of him, but God's presence is now living in us. His spirit is in us. So the question is, do people encounter the presence of God when they're with you? What would it look like if they did? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for these incredible stories. We thank you for the spirit and for the ways that you are at work in and through and all around us. God, you are inviting us into something unbelievable. What you desire for us to experience with you, the depth of relationship that you want us to have with you, God, it's there. And Father, we get in our own way so easily. We fear, we fail, we're selfish, we're insecure. 
We struggle to trust you, struggle to understand. But God, you are unbelievably, overwhelmingly gracious, patient, merciful. And just like Moses, even when we fail, you are inviting us in to experience your presence. Father, we need you. Help us to hunger for you and that, God, as we spend time in your presence, as we allow the Spirit to work within us, God, we pray that we would radiate who you are to the people around us. That they would experience who you are, your love, your grace, your mercy, your peace, all of the fruit of the Spirit, God, that we would embody these things to the world around us. Because they need you too. Father, we thank you for this incredible gift. We ask that you would help us to embrace it. In Jesus' name, amen.